The reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made note the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Abby. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the opportunity to join with these shepherds and join with Mary and Joseph to hear the proclamation of your gospel. Lord, um, I pray that our hearts would not be distracted. I pray that we could um, hear your gospel clearly, that your spirit would be here opening our eyes, illuminating this passage for your glory. Amen. My family, we have quite a few people in my family that like to tell stories, some storytellers. Several of those people do what I would call a preamble to their story. It goes something like this. You want to hear something hilarious? And that creates tension for me. Because I'm like, I do. Like, I really do. But what if I don't find your story as funny as you find your story? And so we've sort of teased about this until last Sunday at lunch, uh, I turned uh, to a few people and uh, I said, um, you want to hear something funny? And it was Terry Reeves. She said, what if it's not funny? And I thought, oh, no. Like, so I told the story, and I think we gave it a 6 out of 10. Uh, I think it was higher. She rated it lower. Um, and it just reminds me as we come to this passage God is coming in, and there's a preamble here. In fact, this entire service in the Advent season is God's way of saying, I have a story. I have something to tell you that is meaningful, that is huge, that will change you. And I think for all of us, there might be a tension of, I really, really want to hear this. I want this story to be powerful. And for many of you, of course, if you are in Christ, it is a powerful story. But I think we all need to be honest that for the rest of our time on earth, until we see our Savior face to face, we are going to need to be struggling with how to better apprehend the story of the gospel. 
What does it mean? And so this morning, I hope we'll see that, that we will understand even better this story of Jesus' birth and what that would mean for us today and how we would respond in this season uh, that we can come closer and closer to loving the story, to where we would respond, yes, I want to hear your story. So we're going to look at this story here of the angels announcing the birth of the Messiah to the shepherds, as Abby just read it. And we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at who it's being told to, what the content of the story is, and then what are the responses that we would have. So let's dive in. Who is this story being told to? I think everyone here understands what a shepherd is. The shepherds are out in the field. They're tending the sheep. And uh, we are told right in verse 1 or verse 8, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flocks by night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And most of the time we hear that and think, oh, this audience was chosen because they're lowly, right? They're, they're, maybe they're considered insignificant. Maybe we wonder if that's why God would tell the story. And I was just pondering this as I studied the passage. Why did God, when you look at who he's telling this to, why would he come to the shepherds? Why would he go to them to share this story? When things happen in your life, who do you tell your story to? When something really big happens, like, what do you do? You start going, I'm going to tell, right? That's usually the first response. When something big happens, you go, this is a story. Who do I want to share it with? And I'm going to, I'm going to just make a statement, and you're going to doubt me, and then I'm going to try to prove it. I think the person whom you want to tell the story to the most is the person who's the most like you. That is, the person who will understand that story the most, so in that moment will be the most like you. I got a text this week from a um, roommate from college. I don't think I've talked to him in five years. And it was a video of crows, and he wrote underneath it a deep thought that I'm not going to say right now because half of you won't get it, and it will bother you. You can ask me later. But it was a humorous exchange he and I had in college. He sees the crows, and what does he do? He wants to tell me. He wants to reach out and tell the one person who remembers that event the closest. Okay, that's an obscure illustration. Here's a closer one. Uh, when, when you watch Funniest Home Videos, there's often these, um, these videos of people who are pregnant telling the grandparents. And it's like, right, that's like a fun thing to do. Why do you want to tell the grandparents that you're pregnant? Because they're the closest human on earth to being the parent. They're the most like you, right? If you're a mom or a dad and you just realize you are going to have a baby, it's your parents that you think they will get this. They will care the most. So, Jesus, so God wants to tell the story that Jesus is born, and he tells shepherds. Why? Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. The city of David, a shepherd. Right, a shepherd, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd tends to sheep. A shepherd takes care of, of an animal that has two qualities about it. Very valuable in that culture and very, very needy and helpless. And so a shepherd comes along and cares for that animal and understands what it means to need to tend to the helpless. And so when God decides, I'm going to go to earth and tell this amazing event in a huge way, 
I want to tell someone that will understand the significance, that Jesus is a Savior. And so he does that. He tells the shepherds. Um, so I'm just in point one trying to tease out the thought that it's more than simply their lowly. It's their actual livelihood. The very thing they're built to do plays into understanding the gospel message. So I would ask you as we transition in a second to think about does your story help you better understand the story of the Messiah? Is it possible that you could look at your occupation, your calling, your life, the things that have happened to you, not as things that have taken you away from God, but the very avenues, the very means, the very methods God might use to better know him and his processes and his work. So just kind of hold on to that, but I want to now transition into what the story is so that it makes more sense. Uh, what is the story? The angel shows up and says in verse 10, fear not. Um, in each of the events where the angel shows up with Zechariah in the temple, with Mary, and now with the, um, the shepherds, he shows up with this glory, this shining presence of God that is so bright and so amazing that the natural response of a person would be to fear, would be to want to crumble, would be to want to distance themselves, maybe fearing judgment. And in each case, he says, fear not, for behold, and here he says in this, this version, this, or this announcement, I bring you good news of great joy. Now, it's been a long service. I, don't, I see a lot of people who are going, this is going to get long. Mark's already challenged me to cut it off at about 15 minutes. Just kidding. Sorry, Mark. It's just a joke. Joy. There's a little joy. Did you feel joy? Maybe he's going to cut this off in 15 minutes. I feel joy. Where is your joy? That question has two meanings. Do you have it? And if so, what's the reason for it? All through Scripture, joy is a promise. And I just think it's amazing that God comes to these shepherds and looks at them and says, what I'm about to tell you is going to bring you joy. Why? And he says, because a Savior has been born. Calvin says this, uh, These words show us first that until men have peace with God and are reconciled to him through the grace of Christ, all the joy that they experience is deceitful and of short duration. I would tie it together like this. You find joy in what you think will rescue you. The reason there's a short duration is nothing will rescue you but a Savior, the Savior. Right? We see that, for example, in Philippians 4, 7. A very famous passage. Many of our children have memorized it. Many of you have memorized it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Paul is saying, be filled with joy. I'm going to say it twice, Paul says. Like, I'm leaving you this letter, and I want you to be filled with joy. How, Paul? Well, he goes on to talk about, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the guard of your heart. You feel peace and you will rejoice. Conversely, when you feel anxiety, 
when you feel fear, when you feel lack of joy, something else is guarding your heart. A different Savior has snuck in. And it takes away that joy. So as we hear this story this morning, our job is to at least be aware of that. Maybe we don't think it theologically. No, no, Jesus is my Savior. But my, my emotion, my feelings, my lack of joy are often a really good example of the fact that somewhere in my heart, I've lost that view of Jesus as the good shepherd. And so I want to come back to this idea of David being uh, the shepherd because David um, is the, that's where the city that, that is Bethlehem, the city of David. And I would assume if you're a shepherd in that region, he's like the poster, like you would have in your hut or whatever they live in. Like there's David, the greatest shepherd that ever lived. Remember David uh, is shepherding sheep when Samuel came to the village to anoint a king to replace Saul. And I was just talking about this with someone this week. Um, the tendency is to think he was bypassed, he was overlooked, he was the runt, possibly, even probably. Is it possible he thought to himself, I have no business being king. I care for these sheep. The very quality that makes him a man after God's own heart. I care for a lowly little sheep. And then later, he goes to the battlefield to just bring some food to his brothers and sees this giant Goliath cursing God and the shepherd in him comes out. You are cursing the people of God. You are attacking the sheep. Put me in. And he tries on armor. Now, I have another disagreement with the average reading of that. I don't think he tried on Saul's personal armor. I think Saul, who had lots of armor, tried to fit him with armor. And he's not, it says in 1 Samuel 17, he, he hadn't tested that armor. He hadn't used that in warfare. He had used shepherding tactics. That's how he killed the lions that attack sheep. So he goes back to that method with the stones and the sling, and that's how he slays Goliath, being a shepherd. The people, the saviors we want, don't typically fight the way we want. And here is David emulating a shepherd by coming in and taking out the giant, which frees the sheep to be sheep. You and I are sheep. And we have a Savior that has come, Jesus, who uses a different technique than what you might imagine to save you. The word for salvation there, by the way, it means a complete salvation. Uh, that's what, how Calvin refers to it. It's, it's not just this kind of small entry point into heaven. It's you are completely rescued. Your tears are no more. You, you know, you are going to have an eternity with your Holy Father. You are saved. Um, that's the salvation we're being offered in Jesus. Now, one interesting note about these shepherds, by the way, is because of the region where they operated, many scholars think they were actually raising the sheep or the lambs that would be slaughtered for sacrifice. So when God comes to them and tells him the story, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. I've often thought, you've got 30 years. 
Like you're going to go see a baby and think, okay, I've got a long wait. But if you're a shepherd trained to take the baby lamb and immediately know the purpose for that lamb will be to be sacrificed to bring holiness and righteousness. Then you look at the baby, Jesus, and they knew what he was for, that he was going to save his people from the sins of the world. And I think for them, that makes it that much more amazing that they comprehended these truths. And so I want to just spend our last few minutes looking at the four responses to this gospel message. Are you excited by the fact that you have a Savior? Can you rejoice in that? Can you rejoice in the fact that with you doing nothing but simply believing and resting in him, he is going to fight your battles, he is going to come in and take for you your life forward? Can you rest in that? How do you respond to that? Well, let's look at the four responses. The first one, the angels. So here we are, an angel we are, who's unnamed, possibly Gabriel again, possibly not, has come in and made the announcement. And in verse 13, and suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Praise. That is the response. Um, that, that scene reminds me a little bit of a scene from 2 Kings 6. Uh, there's a battle going on. Um, there's an army coming against Elijah, and um, his servant is really, really scared. And he says, Master, what shall we do? And Elisha, excuse me, it says, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prays and says, O oh Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, behold, on the mountain it was full of horses and chariots of fire ready for battle. And so here, though they're not ready for battle, it's, it's like the veil is pulled back. They are always there. Heaven exists in our, it's hard to put in mind, it's not always up, it's around us. And, and God has given these shepherds the opportunity to see behind the veil to a host's of angels praising God. Now, we've enjoyed some singing today more, more than most times. So it's a lot of singing. Some of you are like, I don't like to sing. But then you hear the songs of the children and it kind of moves you. You go to a concert and you hear voices and you hear the people around you and there's something about being in a throng of people that ignites you. And so I would say, please let us understand the beauty of praise, that even if your heart is cold, even if you don't quite understand what the angel has just said, the gospel feels distant. When you come into this room or other places for praise, it is a gift that you can join with other saints and sing and, and hear the words and process all, with all of your senses the glory of the, of the um, announcement. So that's one thing. Are you praising this Christmas? Are you giving yourself some freedom, regardless of how on tune you feel, to praise privately at home, here at church, and other places? Um, sometimes, if you, when I'm in, not really, I don't know, I want to read the Bible right now. I'm not sure. I'm gonna. I just need to. I'll turn on like music, praise songs, and just start listening and singing. I recommend that. But understand that heaven is broken in through praise. Secondly, we see the response of the shepherds um, of proclamation. They go to Bethlehem. 
In verse 15, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, in a way, the angel hinted at that, right? He says in verse 12, and this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. But he didn't say you have to go. So a lot of us, when we wrestle with the gospel, he didn't say, I don't have to do it. But I want to encourage us to go. What am I talking about? Like, make the phone call. Go out to coffee. Like, are you, you have people in your midst that you know are struggling. They need a word. Now, do you understand what's happened for Mary? Mary is not on cloud nine right now. She's not like, I just had a baby that we know of. She's come to town, unfamiliar to her, with a baby conceived out of wedlock, though she understands the reason why. The people don't. They don't make any space for her. There's shame. There's, no matter how much faith she has, she, we know she spent three months with Elizabeth. We know she has the battle cry of the Magnificat, the, you know, the song that she's developed. But she's a young woman, and she's just had a baby, and all of a sudden, shepherds walk in. Now, when we had one of our children, I think it was Grayson at Mercy, um, a workman came in to change the clock. And we're like, you know, you've just had the baby. There were some complications. We're all better now. We're taking a photograph, and there's a picture of him behind the bed replacing the clock. And you're just like, you know, give us five minutes. So you wonder, like, what was it like having shepherds walk in to this birthing area, and yet they deliver information that she takes into her heart, and they say to her, um, the news of the angel told them, so God is graciously using these people to bring much-needed care to a woman in distress. And that's your job. That's what we do. We send the text. We send the email. We make the call. We go. And it's very easy. They know, they know where Bethlehem is. It's not far from where they are. So often we're like, it's just too much. We'll be annoying people. When the message of the gospel comes to you, I hope it will cause you to want to move into lives of other people. We should be connected that way. A third response is Mary's response. Um, simply put, she treasures these things. She ponders them. I love that about Mary. Uh, I want to just kind of process that with you for a moment. I would, use this, I would say the first point was meditation. The second point was proclamation. The third point would be meditation. That is the third response. Um, what do you do with the gospel? How do I get to where the gospel news and my apprehension of it meshes? And I think one of the obvious ways is through meditation, taking it in. But I love the words, treasure. What do you treasure? I love Antiques Roadshow because, you know, these people go, is this a treasure? Like this? I forget the joke. No, it's just a spatula, you know. Ah, but what happens if the person says, yes, that's a treasure? They start to tell you why. This was used here. You got it from this person. You start to hear information, and it makes more sense to you of the value. And so the gospel, at first glance, you might go, okay, Jesus saves. But you have to bring your life to that. You have to ponder. You have to meditate. You have to move toward it. 
You have to treasure these things for yourself and walk like Mary did and start to wonder, what does this mean for me? And I would just simply ask you, this Advent season, if you were to make a list of things that you're anxious about, things you're struggling with, things you're excited about, have you, could you link the gospel message into those where Jesus is revealing himself, where he is rescuing you, where he's teasing you out of maybe certain things that you would rest more on him because of what he's done for you? Or is it sort of these two lists that don't, don't go together at all? For Mary, the news and this baby meshed together because she listened, she treasured, and she pondered. And finally, uh, my favorite part of this passage is probably the most significant thing um, that is the hardest to learn. Verse 20, and the shepherds return. What? You just saw the greatest concert anyone has ever seen put on by angels. You just went to Bethlehem and talked to Mary, the mother of Jesus. You just saw your Savior. You're not going to quit being a shepherd? Like, Americans would be like, I quit. I just won the lottery. They go right back to being a shepherd. But it's changed now. For them to return to their daily life, they were able to see how the ordinary planes or whatever the terrain looks like was extraordinary because heaven still was right there. As you go through the mundane of your lives, quit thinking, I need to make a change and start thinking, God is present. Heaven is near. If I could see, this would light up. Is that your hope? Is that your ordinary? Is that what you see your life like? Are you able to return into your setting and recognize you are fully known and you are fully loved right where you are because of Jesus? Let's begin to rest in that situation and know that he is calling you to embrace the mundane. I know for me, I'm, I'm often in a hurry to make changes and hurry to make adjustments. And so often he wants us to treasure, to ponder, and to return into our daily life. So that's our job this week. That's our job at Advent is to know that God loves you. He has sent his Savior, his Son. And right where you are without having to make any major changes, unless you're a drug dealer. Okay? If you're a drug dealer, you might need to make a change. But outside of that, I'm sorry. Can we embrace the story? Let me pray. Father, we often look for saviors, little s, to rescue us from a life that may not seem to be going the direction we want it to go. And yet we have these shepherds sitting there, bored, probably the only ones awake at night. And that's who you showed up to, to tell the story. And Lord, you've told us the story. Even now, if this was the very first time we've ever heard this story, your spirit has oriented our lives in such a way that just now we heard that we have a Savior who is taking away our sins through his sacrifice. Let that not be boring. And yet we confess, Lord, we don't often know what to do with it. So teach us to praise, teach us to proclaim, help us to meditate, and help us to return.
rejoicing in you. Amen.